0: I write, I'm sorry, but my letter keeps coming back. So then I dropped it in the mailbox, I sent a special deed. Bright and early next morning, it came right back to me. She rolled up on it. Well, how much mail is going to be returned to sender with all of this stuff going on the controversy of whether to cut the funding over mail-in ballots is really now hitting Washington as the Postmaster General for the United States Postal Service has been asked to testify uh, at uh, the House this upcoming week. It's going to be crazy. This whole mail-in ballot thing is such a mess. But yeah, Elvis Presley's uh, death marked the, what now, 2020? Hmm, If I can get my math right on this. 43rd anniversary already in 77 yesterday. And boy, does return to Sender feel ever more appropriate here on Alex Garrett podcasting the Sunday pod. Uh, That being said, there is one bit of good news amidst all the chaos that I read about this week that you may not know about. And by the way, today I'm going to revisit a conversation with Ross Marchand of the Young Uh, Young Voices of America contributor. You'll you'll hear that in a minute. But some great news for AMC. They not only are reopening this week. uh, About August 20th. Opening more than 100 U.S. theaters. They're now saying to commemorate the centennial. You'll be offered movies in 2020. At 19.20 prices. That's right. 15 cents a ticket. To socially distance. Who knows what the latest release is going to be, but there you have it. 15 cents a ticket, reopening of an AMC, 100 of them, not in New York yet, hopefully soon, but 15 cents to get in. And then they add that 600 U.S. theater locations will be open by the time Christopher Nolan's thriller, Tenet, hits theaters on September 3rd. So there's a little coming back to normalcy for you here on the Sunday Pod. But back to the U.S. Postal Service, I talked about some of the troubles they were going through with Ross Marchand, uh, who covered this for The Young Voices, uh, you know, and run by Stephen Kent and all of them there. Uh, revisit my conversation right now with Ross Marchand. And thanks for
1: having me on your show. A USPS Postal Service over time has raised, increased and increased the price of stamps. And finally, a federal court said the other day, you know what? No, you cannot continue to do this.
0: And, and what does that mean for Americans? You said it's a big win. Why, why is it a big win for Americans?
1: There's millions of Americans that rely on snail mail, just taking a letter, right, or, or sending in their utility bill or whatever, right? They are going to be spending less money to mail those letters. And, and that amounts, I mean, just if you're taking the total amount of money saved. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars for ordinary Americans. I chalk that up as a huge win. And especially on these postal issues, we do not see big wins that much.
0: How prevalent is snail mail? I mean, we got email, we got a whole bunch of other ways to talk to each other. But it sounds to me that, you know, USPS still serves us a purpose and there are people still doing the whole mailing thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Millions and millions of Americans still use snail mail. Now, the reason why it sort of gets bad press nowadays, or sort of like gloomy or pessimistic press, is it is sort of on its way out in that postal revenues from snail mail have dropped, and that's causing the Postal Service a lot of trouble. And that is what is pushing them in the first place and pressuring them to increase those prices. So that, I would argue, that is not the best way forward for the Postal Service, despite all of its financial troubles.
0: And it's true. And, and you know, Trump's talked about the financial troubles of the USPS on his Twitter page. And people thought he was kind of crazy, but he really wasn't when he talked about that, was he?
1: No, he got it absolutely right. I mean, Obviously, he has a lot of grievances, specifically, you know, when he's talking about Amazon and he's talking about Bezos and all that stuff. But he is absolutely 120 percent right that the Postal Service has had more than its fair share of financial problems. And if we don't do anything about those financial problems, that bleeds over to taxpayers and customers.
0: And, of course, we are – all Americans are taxpayers. I want to get to the – you say grievance. I have a grievance with the way the Democrats are handling – ...are tax dollars, but to just sum this up, so no stamp tax, and in a way, you know what I was thinking as you were talking about this, a lot of elderly people still use mail, I hate to stereotype, and of course everybody does, but we saw this weekend Antifa blocking like these elderly couple from crossing the street, and in a way, it seems like this tax was like that. They were blocking senior citizens from having their full amount because they had to pay taxes on snail mail. So it's, it's a fair win for everybody.
1: Oh, yeah, and the Postal Service, they raise their prices from Forever stamps from $0.50 cents to $0.55 cents at the beginning of the year. Now, that's what we're talking about. So the price of the Forever Stamp goes down from $0.55 cents to $0.50 cents unless the Postal Service somehow wins on some sort of appeal. But that's a huge victory, particularly for older people, because in response to higher stamp prices, I could switch email, you could switch email. Maybe most people could switch to email, but the older people, they can't do that. I mean, I look at my grandma. She doesn't have an email account set up. So what is she supposed to do? She just has to pay higher prices out of her fixed social security check. So it's a huge victory for people like that.
0: And what was the federal judge's grounds for this? Just out of uh, you would it sounds like you've been studying this for a long time now at Young Voices.
1: Sure, it seems like some sort of uh, lack of transparency versus egregiousness. Now, one of the judges noted in the opinion basically said, "Look." The American Revolution was started from less than this, basically um, through a stamp tax, right? And talk about like the Boston Tea Party and everything headed south from there. Um, so if that was grounded as too egregious, I don't even know how many years ago that was. Um, my, my brain is off today. I can't do math. But however many years ago, um, then this is certainly too egregious. And at the very least. The American people are owed a sense of transparency if their stamp prices are going to be raised.
0: And you wrote about this in the Washington Examiner. Why? What? What is your heart? um, Why was your heart set on writing about this? I mean, there's so many other news things to talk about. Why is this news in your eyes and uh, why is it worth covering? Because I feel like it certainly is. Any win for America under the circumstances we have today is worth covering. And I'm glad you did.
1: I mean, look, it, this goes on two different levels, right? One is I'm a huge postal nerd. I am obsessed with these issues. I've been writing about USPS-related issues for a little bit over two years now. So there is that obsession. But what guides that obsession is that these are one um, of a few handful of sorts of taxes and prices and restrictions that Americans can't really escape from, and in particular older Americans who don't have access to digital services um, or email or anything like that. Um, So Americans can't really escape from the Postal Service, and if they want to go their own way, um, they can't because the Postal Service jealously guards their monopoly on mail. Um, So you really, this is very unique in American society in that you have this sort of -of out-of-control federal agency that Americans can't really escape from.
0: And and it sounds like we're trying to rein that uh, agency, which we pay taxes for, uh, back in, and that's great. Now... Let's also rein in, and I'm sorry, sure Young Voices, as Young Voices contributor, you're talking about this. Let's rein in the Democrats, can we? I know you're a conservative libertarian, so you might have some, uh, somewhat on the libertarian side, maybe more liberal ideas, but overall, I think the Democrats are wasting our tax dollars on six committees investigating Trump on absolutely nothing.
1: You see these impeachment talks, you see a bunch of investigations. Where I want the real investigations to be in is all this government waste. I mean, we have hundreds of billions of dollars a year um, in improper payments across the federal government. I mean, to me, that's a bigger scandal than anything they're talking about now. Let's redirect that focus a little bit to the things that actually matter, the things that people are actually complaining about. You know, When we send people to Washington, we say, what are you going to do about all this fraud and waste and hundreds of billions of dollars in improper payments? Um, And People want people across the country want their lawmakers to do something about that, not, you know, pursue dead and and beat a dead horse and and all the garbage we've been seeing in the media.
0: And I feel like that's what it is. In fact, you know, you see the media beating this dead horse every question. It's not healthy for the American psyche, is it?
1: No, no, no. And it's a sense of priority. This is really what I go back to. It's all about priorities. And when people look at Washington, you know, they have a bunch of choice things to say about Washington. Definitely no shortage of um, curse words and and, uh, choicy phrases. But I would say that the number one criticism that I have encountered is lack of prioritization. And they can get their priorities back in order by looking at all that waste and overspending that is rampant um, across the federal government.
0: And uh, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but the, the, the impeachment inquiries is that. And, and why do they deflect? Because it's them. I feel like they're deflecting from that waste by doing all this. Is it because it's them themselves? Is it the swamp themselves that have caused all this? They don't want to look back and say, we should fix ourselves.
1: Well, it's hard to do the right thing. I think that's the number one sort of overriding Concern. Now, lawmakers, they always want to bring home the bacon to their constituents. This used to be a lot more blatant when earmarks were out in the open a few years ago. Now there's a ban on earmarks um, in theory, but in practice, people are still, lawmakers are still bringing home the bacon to their constituents each and every year. So it's very, very difficult to go from that to saying, oh, we're cutting spending, we're doing the right thing, but um, this may not look as good for me in the short run. People lawmakers, policymakers, they want to get reelected or they want to get reappointed if they are an unelected bureaucrat.
0: Now, I got to ask, because I follow it, too. Every time you see the House approve a new spending bill, you and I probably cringe just about as much as any other American following this.
1: Yeah, trillion-dollar deficits are here to stay, unfortunately. And you look across the board, right? And both parties have proposed very egregious spending items, and they really need to get together and say, what can we cut? And the thing that gives me so much agita is it's not for a lack of ideas that they're not pursuing spending reform. There are so many great reports out there. Um, One fantastic report produced, I think, every year by the Heritage Foundation details hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars, of actionable recommendations to cut the spending and to start the federal government on the path to reform. Uh, But no one listens.
0: And why don't you think they listen? Just just because they're in their own world?
1: I mean, look, it's very hard to do the right thing. And the right thing is the difficult thing. And it may mean that they're not reelected. It may mean they're not bringing home the bacon to constituents. It is tough, but it is necessary work.
0: Hey, you write for the Young Voices, and I'm talking with the Ross Marchand. What's on your plate? What's on your platter to write about uh, in the near future?
1: Uh, every week is something different. I'm working... Right now, probably most closely on FDA reform and really just highlighting the different ways that the FDA, through all their regulations, for example, holding up drug approval, um, holding up reduced risk uh, like vaping and ICOS products, how they are increasing pain and suffering for millions of patients and ways that they could reform and streamline their regulatory processes um, to help improve the lives of millions of patients.
0: And, you know, the media doesn't want to cover that either because even Pelosi, to her credit, was like, anybody want to talk about health insurance? Anybody want to talk about USMCA? And they're all like, no, what about this impeachment? So nobody, nobody's mindset is on what's really impacting Americans. And I'm glad, Ross, you're there to do that, to put people's track back in the whole, hey, we're Americans, not in my backyard kind of topics here.
1: We need to focus on everything. We need to focus on FDA reform. We need to focus on postal reform. And I think top-of-the-line spending reforms. And if we could enact even um, three or four, let's say, significant reforms, we'll save taxpayers a lot of money, and we'll also ensure increased choices for customers. And so that's a win-win situation and a much better alternative than a million different investigations that go nowhere.
0: And I have to add this because, obviously, this is not about the mail-in issue, but I'd love. I'm working on getting Ross back. I just want to give you a taste of yes. The USPS has been having some trouble for quite a while, and I thought I'd document that here. And one other note: started the thing, the show uh, AMC movies. Ending the show, saying there are movie theaters in New York City who some say were closed, hoping opening soon. But then there are places like the Film Forum who say empowering messages on their marquee. Of course, they can't open either here in New York. But uh, they did say, FDR's famous quote, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so I hope they fearlessly reopen soon enough. I hope our government can fearlessly bring us back more and more every week, every day at this point. And so with that, I'm Alex Garrett. Ross, hope to have you soon. Thanks again for joining me on that original issue. And here on Alex Garrett Podcasting, the Sunday Pod, we'll talk to you again this upcoming week.